have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me fill you in on a few things. Like first and foremost, it's free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor is going to distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on multiple platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And it's so easy, even somebody like me can do it. Now download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And I know you hear me. Hey, 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 everyone. Jen Silverman here, former guest on the I Know You Hear Me podcast, a.k.a. Flynn's annoying little improv sister, jsilv underscore vo on Twitter, jensilv underscore vo on Instagram, or my cosplay page at captain underscore all underscore m-a-i-g-h-t. And now let's get into it. The man you really want to hear, or do you, before he suplexes me, here's the man of the hour, Flynn Hendricks. Hello, hello, everybody, guys, gals, however you identify today, I am calling you my loyal listeners, and we are going to be trying something new here. This is going to be called the Flynn Hendricks Experience. Thank you, Jeremy Flint, for that name. But what this is going to be is a break from the norm of our normal weekly episodes where I give you a little bit of a look into my life and different things that are going on questions people have asked me about wrestling or different things I've encountered there are going to be addressed, and we're just going to cover a wide gambit of things to give you guys a little bit more of a look into my life and, I guess, maybe humanize me a little bit or maybe show that there's a method to the madness. Um, It's going to be a very raw and cathartic experience for me, and to just show how well that's going to be, or how deep that's going to be, we're going to start off with probably the biggest topic of the year, uh, of last year, we'll call it. We're going to talk about 2022 and the absolute roller coaster of a year it was for me. I know 2020 was a pretty rough year for a lot of people, but my God, 2022 for my family and my household had a lot of ups and a lot of downs, and a lot of nut shots, kicks in the ribs, and just everything you could think of when we were down, and it was a complete and emotional, uh, man, mind fuck, um, I, I don't even really know if I could find the right words for it, but it was just a rough, rough experience, and it actually started near the end of 2021, um, around the fall, if most of you were following me on social media, you know that my dog Mo got sick and we couldn't figure out what was going on. He lost a lot of hair. He lost a lot of weight. He had a lot of swelling in his face. There were just so many things that were going on. And we ran up a lot of debt trying to figure that out. And, you know, four months after the fact, um, actually three weeks from now as Actually, four weeks from now as I'm recording this, about a week ago as this airs is a year to the day that we actually lost him. We had to make the tough call to put him down because he had just gotten to the point where he was skin and bones. He couldn't eat anything he ate. He threw up, and 
he could not hold his bladder and he just it it wasn't a good quality of life for him and it was just it is rough as it was for him it was worse for us as parents seeing how our our baby our child was suffering and yes pets are our children if you don't see them as such you probably shouldn't own one and he was a pit bull he may not have been everybody's cup of tea and he was by no means our first dog but this dog literally prepared us to be parents he fell into our lap two months before our oldest son was born. So they grew up together. So at the time, he was only six. Still young. But we lost him. And it was just stress on stress on stress. And, you know, thankfully at the time, I was able to hide that a little bit working at the haunted house. And having the notorious track record of working uh, 70, somewhere between 60 and 70 days straight between real job, acting, haunted house, just no days off, running ragged, emotionally drained, not even really acknowledging it, just you know, making vulnerable posts here and there, but it was not being addressed the way I should have addressed it. It was just a rough time, and I was using everything I could to get away from it and just avoid acknowledging my actual feelings about it. Well, fast forward um, two months later in March, our oldest dog, Elliot, um, unfortunately out of nowhere just actually let me back up a little bit before we get to Elliot's issues um about a month maybe after the fact of losing Mo I came across an ad from the Nashville Humane Society who as you know I'm a big sponsor of big proponent of these guys do amazing amazing work but we came across another dog on there that was a pit bull who had been rescued from a pretty shitty situation uh, about 40 minutes south of where we live in Nashville where he was chained up outside. He was caged. He was starved. And I think the only thing he had to eat was his own excrement and droppings. So just imagine how bad that was. So they posted a before and after picture and I saw this dog and I absolutely fell in love with him. He looked very similar to Mo and of all things, his name was Bo. So it was kind of... I felt like the universe was talking to us. I begged my wife. I showed her the picture. She fell in love. Uh, the next day, we took Elliot out to the Humane Society to meet him and see if they would get along. And lo and behold, we came home 80 pounds heavier. So would not change that decision for the world. But a couple weeks after the fact, um, while Bo was going through his heartworm treatments and finalizing being done with that due to the situation, Elliot lost control of his back legs out of nowhere. He could not walk. He would drag them if he could even move. He fell, like, if he had to use the bathroom, he would basically end up sitting in it. And we took him to the vet. My wife took him to the vet with our youngest, not thinking anything of it, thinking maybe it was a pinched nerve, just something that could be addressed and fixed. And he was 10. He was about to turn 11 in 2022, four days after my oldest son, and the vet recommended that we take him to the emergency vet right away, so she did. Me not thinking anything of it, I was determined if I had to run my credit card up again to take care of these bills, that's what I was going to do because this was my dog. This was my baby. We had been through everything. I had fought with my ex beforehand to keep him and his sister 
who ultimately, you know, passed away not too long after that. But, um, you know, we gave up whatever I could in the separation to keep him and keep his sister. Well, I get the call from the emergency vet that they need to do a surgery to see if it's a tumor on the spine or if it's just nerve damage that they can repair while they're in there. So I give the go-ahead and I run the credit card bill up. Wouldn't think twice about it because that's my child. That's my 10-year-old child. Get the call back as I am um, about to pick up my youngest from daycare that it's an inoperable tumor on the spine and he lost all function in his legs. And his quality of life would not be worth keeping him alive were the uh, the emergency vet's words, and I had to make the decision and make the call with my wife. So after I took my son home, I went to the emergency vet, and I sat with him for as long as I could while he was splayed out on a bed because he could not walk. They had to carry him in and fed him as many treats as we could, and... That was it. Me and him alone in the room, and he was gone. The one that I thought I would always have, no matter what, was gone. And to make matters worse, um, it happened on what would have been Mo's seventh birthday. So I, in my head, fighting back tears, fighting back every urge to get shit-faced drunk and not just collapse in the middle of all that, I figured... Mo missed him, and Mo wanted him home. So, that was that. Um, and just going back to Mo, as all, all of it was going on, I went back to Mo's final few moments there, and, you know, he was, he was gone before they even finished um, administering the medicine. He was just so tired, and he was so ready. But... You know, in the middle of all this, um, I think these animals, these dogs are so much smarter than anybody gives them credit for. And I think Elliot knew that we would be okay with Bo. So he was okay to, to leave us and cross that rainbow bridge and get his, you know, get use of his legs back and be able to play with his brother and sister again. But again, um, as all that happened, I shut off. And as I'm recording this now, a few days ago, um, amidst emotional stresses being high and everything, my wife told me that I just realized I never got to say goodbye to Elliot. So, yeah. So this year really started off on some absolutely low points. Um, but in the middle of all this, too, there were so many other things that were going on. Um, that should have been, you know, counted as successes or counted as, as huge wins. You know, getting an agent and getting representation in L.A. with Crown North Talent Agency or getting representation in London and Istanbul. Like, that's worldwide representation. And these awesome things happened, but it seems like every time something great happened, something just came through and took the wind out of the sails. And... As all this was going on, I was having a lot of struggles with the job I was at. 
doing everything management does without the title, without the pay, and just extra stress on my plate on top of everything else I had to do. Training people, servicing customers, running my route, and just running myself into the ground because the the mentality and the motto of this place in a sense was your best is not good enough. There's always something you can do better. And being a self-perfectionist, that's something I bought into. And it really just absolutely drove me insane, to put it bluntly. Um, a lot of respect was not being served at the table. And I had talked myself into thinking, well, I'm never going to leave here. Like, I I'm not going to go anywhere that's going to have this good of insurance or that's going to pay me this much weekly. But then the pay starts dropping because it's commission-based. and Everybody knows the world that we're living in right now. You can't get a hold of products because of, you know, manufacturing shortages, labor shortages, whatever it may be. So the money starts going down and you start stressing about that with all these medical bills. You start applying for new positions in the company that they tell you you're a shoe in to get. Or you ask about applying for a position that they end up telling you would be a conflict of interest to what you're doing now, even though it's really just code word for saying you're not the guy we want because you don't play the game and you don't kiss my ass like everybody else did. So applied for the job as a recruiter, waited the 48 hours that was company policy that's supposed to be by the book. 48 hours turns into three weeks. I'm asking everybody and their mother, hey, where is my answer on this? What's going on? And the answer I'm given is, I'm sorry, I was unable to get to you because I was in and out of the emergency vet because my dog was sick. And I held my tongue as opposed to being completely blunt and honest when I had been in and out of the emergency vet and still made it a point to do my job. It was a chicken shit cop-out answer. And this was another thing in a long list of waiting three years to have my final title in the company that I left with approved and applied and announced when they rushed somebody through who ended up becoming my manager within three weeks simply because he was one of their favorites and everything I was doing was getting lost in the shuffle between management changes, blah, 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 excuses, excuses. And when I finally got frustrated and gave notice, um, it was like a weight was off my shoulders, but I ended up Still stressed about it because I took a job that did not pay as much. Ended up being more stressful, and I did not realize that on top of everything else, there's an adjustment period when you leave a job that you've been at for seven years. Um, and I just thought it would all go away. I would be happy. I would be stress-free. Never mind the fact that I'm having internal debates daily and I'm beating myself up over leaving this job. Whereas my brother-in-law still works there. One of my best friends still works there. And they're telling me I made the right decision because now everything is under a microscope. Nobody's happy. They can't get product in. And it's just one of those things. And thankfully, I'm at a great job now that still has differences I'm getting used to. But, you know, it's, it's, it's an adjustment period that I wasn't aware of. In the middle of all that, too... Um, Issues on the home front are bubbling up because my wife and I had not been addressing the stresses of this year the way we properly should have. We weren't talking about it. We weren't communicating. I was burying myself in these podcasts and acting and getting back into wrestling. I was doing everything I could to make myself feel like I was doing something important instead of addressing it to the right people. And that's my mistake. Shame on me. That's me for being that's on me for being stubborn. And again, granted. 
things kept picking up. I got an offer to do um, SummerSlam for WWE when they were in Nashville back in August. Ended up on pay-per-view worldwide. The videos have gone viral of me being an uh, on-screen security guard for a pull-apart segment. And, you know, things like that just were never supposed to happen. And, you know, gosh, I'm jumping the gun here a little bit, but around the time that offer came through is when my grandfather got diagnosed with stage 3 breast cancer. Thankfully, as I'm recording this right now, he's been giving a pretty good diagnosis of things are looking good, things have progressed very well, and the chemo treatment has worked, but, you know, on December 28th, we'll find out what the next steps are, but somewhere in the middle of all that, too, he developed a bacteria in his stomach that I believe was E. coli that nearly killed him twice over the summer, and it's just like he goes to the hospital, he's delirious, he can't eat, he can't even drink, and he doesn't know what's going on. He's combative, and my grandmother does not know what to do, and it's just one thing after another, and, you know, thankfully he came out through on the other side, and he's good now, and like I said, great diagnosis um, as far as everything's going. We're still hopeful that it'll be done because that stomach bacteria really derailed a lot of the chemo treatments and getting the full-on treatment, but things you know, things finally progressed and we were able to get to a good point because that we didn't realize it at the time. We thought it was the chemo, but the bacteria had him looking so frail and having no energy to do anything, not even being able to speak clearly. And, you know, it's just when you see the strongest person in your life show those moments of vulnerability and weakness, it, it takes some adjustment because you're not used to that. Somebody that's not used to showing their emotions, which is probably where I learned it from, you know, it's just product of that generation, but it's just, you know, stuff you don't expect is hard to see, and, you know, the day after SummerSlam, we're at, uh, I'm on cloud nine at that point, people were still sending me messages, people were still sending me congratulations, or sending me pictures, whatever, maybe we're at my niece's birthday party, about an hour south of Nashville, and I get a call that my grandfather needs to go to the hospital. So I'm walking my grandmother through calling the ambulance and convincing her it's the right thing to do, and then we speed back, and I go to the hospital for the night. Um, let alone, at the same time, being guilt-tripped by some dickhead who's now been fired at the job I was at full-time. Now I occasionally do part-time because I wasn't there all weekend, despite all this being, you know, being agreed upon beforehand, before I even signed to come on to the job. And then, lo and behold, the next day, I go out and buy some new dog toys for Bo. It's the kind that you put the treats in that he can chew and get the treats out of. I come home from all that. I come home from checking on my grandfather at the hospital, give Bo the toy, go to the bathroom, not even thinking anything of it, not even thinking about my wife and my oldest son not being in the room with my youngest son. He goes to grab the toy from the dog and gets bitten and rips, you know, it It didn't rip it off, but it ripped the flesh from his forehead and he still has the scars to this day. And that's, uh, you hear it. And then I still see the visual, the image daily of him running around the corner with blood dripping down his face and having to wrap him up and start speeding off to a hospital. And thankfully there's a police officer that's driving into our neighborhood who's able to help us get a fire truck, get an ambulance, and just get him and my wife to the hospital so I can go home and get clothes for them to change into that are not covered in blood. 
and it's just it, it's the ultimate gut punch and then you know from there it's just feeling like a failure as a parent and as a as a pet owner it just it it's a horrible fucking feeling that you cannot like to this day I'm talking about it in therapy I'm taking antidepressants because of things like this and things I didn't address previously and it all just kind of compounds and we ended up having to put Bo down because ultimately the doctor said that was the best case. And then talking to several trainers about it too, they said, there's no guarantee this won't happen again. And it was kind of confirmed when we brought Liam home that night as I'm carrying him, I hear the dog growling through the fence at him. So, you know, for the next two weeks as we did animal controls, um, required and recommended quarantine of everything. We had to keep them separated, had to do all this and ultimately ended up, you know, putting Bo to sleep. So if you're keeping track, that's three dogs in six months, just about. And it's, uh, it still bothers me to this day. And it's just, you know, it, it's been one thing after another. You feel like a fucking failure and a horrible person as a parent and as a pet owner, because this was Bo's second chance at life. And, you know, I had friends get mad at me over the decision that was made. I guess that's their right. Sure, whatever. But put yourself in my shoes. Put yourself in my wife's shoes. And now my three-year-old is traumatized of dogs, no matter how big or how small. And, you know, it's just... It's, it's a horrible feeling. And... You know, the, the Humane Society told us we did the right thing. We gave him a second chance at life when nobody else would. The vet technicians that came to our house to perform, um, you know, the job or task of putting him to sleep, they said the same thing, but that doesn't make it any easier. It really doesn't. It's just, uh, I, I really don't know. It's You feel like a failure as a human, as a as a parent, as as a pet owner, it just it's a horrible feeling. But from there, you know, life goes on. You change to the job you're at now. You just try and adjust and try to hope that your kids will be okay with it too. And you know, you get some other opportunities with WWE along the way. And then this is maybe going to get me in some trouble for talking about it now but there have been several arguments and fights at home like loud shouting matches nearly separating multiple times and it it was all just a very very combustible way of us addressing the stresses of this past year that you know just we did not talk about we did not know how to talk about and took us forever to figure out that we just had not properly addressed it because you know, again, going back to WWE again, do a tour of SmackDown and Raw. SmackDown, it's hell on earth getting to Indianapolis, Indiana, because part of the interstate's flooded. Another part of it shut down, and a four-hour trip turns into seven hours, and yada, yada, yada. And then you go back Monday for Raw, you end up on TV with one of the greatest WWE champions of the early 2000s, and... You know, it's just, it's crazy how things work out. You make all these connections, you make good impressions, but then the wind gets sucked out of your sails again because something like your mom has open heart surgery or 
whatever. You know, the timeline's a little out of whack, but that that's all going on, and it's just... It's literally one thing after another, or you have to fight with your family about when Thanksgiving is going to be, and they name the dates that you have specifically gone out of your way to tell them you can't do, and you just get so frustrated, you say, fuck it, do it without me. I've given you these dates three times, and every time has been a sarcastic remark or an eye roll, and it's just things you never thought you would have to deal with after something incredible happens, and that's kind of been the theme of this year, you know, and it's... uh it's robbed me of some good experiences where I just wasn't in the moment specifically, you know, if you follow me on social media, the whole Vic the Bruiser retirement tour when he and I were having matches that should have been great, should have been fun like we had six years ago. I'm not in the right headspace. I'm not, I shouldn't even be there. I'm just so mentally fucked by everything else that that's kind of is what it is, you know, but you, you make the best of it. You go on, you have that conversation with him at his retirement show and you thank him for carrying you through it. And you just see the magical moments that the business can still provide and give you that escape from reality. And, you know, it's, I guess, I guess the long and short of all this is just giving you the raw, real cliff notes version of how this year has been for me. And, you know, more than anything, i I just want to thank everybody for continuing to tune into this podcast, giving me an escape, and you know, being understanding if I've had to postpone an interview or something else has gone on, you know, because the acting stuff has picked up. Um, thankfully, wrestling has picked up too. Like things are things are good, but there are just these really low points that still suck the wind out of your sails and just mentally fuck you. But, you know, like I said, I've started taking antidepressants. I've started, you know, speaking to a, a therapist. I've started doing things I should have been doing a long time ago to address these issues. And, you know, maybe more than anything, while I hope it sets a good example for my kids and my family, I hope it helps somebody else out there who may be struggling uh, with issues similar or that may be afraid of opening up and talking to somebody that, hey, Somebody's out there to listen to you, and I hope you know that I'm in your corner whether I know you personally or not. So I honestly hope everything works out for you, and I hope this podcast, if it didn't find you in a good place you know, as the year is starting out, I hope it will help bring you into a newer, happier place, and you'll know that people are there to support you. But you know, before I ramble on too much... I think this is a good stopping place. This was the first episode of the Flynn Hendricks experience, and if that one was that raw and that real, just imagine how everything else is going to be. Because like I said at the start, we're going to be talking about things like experiences in wrestling, experiences in acting, what goes into being a great psychological wrestler, what goes into being a great heel or a great babyface in the wrestling ring, bringing your authentic self to auditions and what you do and performing or just in everyday life. There's a lot of things that we're going to cover, and I hope you're along for the ride because these are going to be dropping every other Wednesday, and somewhere down the road, you may find these in the main timeline of the episodes for uh, the I Know You Hear Me podcast as well. But until next time, we'll be coming back in a couple weeks with another raw, real topic, but in the meantime, next Wednesday, be on the lookout for another episode of Tales from the Haunt, and then I'll be back on the other side with another episode of the Flynn Hendricks Experience. And I'll be on the lookout for you when that time comes around. So in the meantime, guys, give yourself a break. Do some good in the world. Make a donation to a charitable cause. Just 
help somebody out, help yourself, maybe buy some merch, check the show notes, check my website. We'll have all that fun stuff in the show notes. Just support the show, support some good causes, and more importantly, support yourself and be good to yourself. So until I see you again here in a couple weeks, be good, do some good in the world, and I know you hear me. The I Know You Hear Me podcast is a presentation of Flynn Hendricks Enterprises. We thank you for tuning in this week, and we hope you'll check out our sponsors and advertisers. Make sure you check us out next week as we come back at the same time with another awesome episode.